Welcome back after lunch, everybody. We've got a great uh, speaker next to keep you from falling asleep in a postprandial state. Um, <laughs> this is um, Marianne Talbot, who's got extensive personal experience of uh, being a carer for, for people with uh, dementia, and I'm sure she's going to tell us lots more about that next. She's also a National Carers Ambassador for Carers UK and for Alzheimer's Research UK and a Carers Champion for Age UK in Oxfordshire. So I think we can uh, trust her expertise. Thank you very much. Hi there, everyone. Right, well, um, I understand that the aim of this conference is to attract people into old age psychiatry. Um, well, I, I think... Uh, Here's one reason, you'll never be out of a job. Um, so you'll, you probably already know that by 2050, there are going to be 19 million people over the age of 65, uh, 8 million of them over the age of 80, and 2 million people with dementia. Um, so if you go into old age psychiatry, you are not going to be short of a job. Uh, you'll always be busy. But, of course, you'd expect me to say that that isn't why you should do it. Um, the important thing about going into old, old age psychiatry is that you'll, you'll be honouring the lives of people who are like you. Um, people who were once uh, 19 and 21, just uh, November 39. Um, I mean, you're aware of when that was in relation to the, first, the Second World War, are you? It has started two months ago, so like so many people, my mother and my father rushed to get married. They eloped. They eloped on the back of his motorbike um, because her parents didn't think that he was suitable. Um, but they were married for 61 years, um, so he was obviously suitable for something. Um, but so there they are, at, as I say, 19 and 22, 23. Um, and here they are again. Uh, this is my favourite photograph of them in their, their garden, having a, a rest in between digging the lawn and things like that. Um, but of course, this might make life look very rosy. Um, and unfortunately, the end of their lives wasn't as rosy as this might seem. I ended up caring for them both uh, for nearly 15 years. Uh, my dad had vascular dementia and my mum had Alzheimer's. Um, he died just as she was diagnosed, and so they sort of segued from the care of dad into the care of mum, um, which was really tough. But um, dad became demented overnight. He, he was absolutely fine. He was doing very well. He was 80 years old, and he took a walk down to the village, which was about 30 minutes away, something he did nearly every day. He was a very fit person. Um, people thought that he had tripped over the curb. Uh, he hadn't tripped over the curb. He had had a massive stroke. Uh, and that stroke um, made him demented overnight. Um, I won't go into all the gory details of his being thrown out of hospital and ending up in a home that was so awful. He thought he was at school, kept asking mum to take him home and, and have you come to take me home. And eventually she did. She just picked him up and all his stuff, took him home and cared for him at home for two years. But he was doubly incontinent, demented. Uh, it was very, very tough on mum, um, who was coming up for 80 herself. 
um, and he died at the age of 84. So the last four years of his life uh, were not wonderful. And caring for someone who's become demented overnight is particularly difficult because, as you can imagine, my mum went from uh, being in a full, complete and, and intimate marriage uh, and suddenly her lover, her husband, her friend uh, of so many years, nearly 60 years by that time, had become someone for whom she cared, someone who didn't recognise her, somebody who was doubly incontinent. Very, very difficult. Um, she used to cry down the phone to me um, often. I, I, it was very, very difficult. Um, but then she herself was diagnosed with dementia. Here's my mum, age 17. Who does she look like? This little test. I think she looks like Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you can't see it? No, I said I was Elizabeth II. Oh, Elizabeth II. No, I, I think that's the hair. That was the in style at the time. Okay, so, so she's 17 there. She's full of the usual sorts of uh, dreams that we all have when we're 17. Um, and here she is at 84, toothless, but still smiling. Um, she, she was always very happy. I mean, before she actually came to live with me um, in 2003, um, she, I would like to have brought her to live with me in 2002 uh, because she really shouldn't have been on her own. We had some terrible times when she was still living on her own. Um, for example, once I was uh, speaking at a conference in Bath uh, and I didn't get to my room till midnight and I rang my um, answering machine and, and found out what it, and there's a message from Mum's vicar who said her alarm is ringing. She had one of those things that put round her neck. Her alarm is ringing, uh, but I've been over there, but I, I can't get in. There's, everything's locked and the, everything's dark. Um, and I thought, oh, goodness, what am I going to do? I rang the vicar. He wasn't there. Um, I rang social services, and I sat back, and my heart was thumping. And amazingly, 20 minutes later, social services rang me back. Social services are brilliant when they're brilliant. They, they can be awful, but in my experience, they're more often brilliant. Um, they rang me back. They'd got there. They had the key. Um, and the police were there by that time. So there was the vicar, two policemen, two neighbours, and two people from social services all trooped in. And mum was just asleep in bed. She hadn't heard the alarm go off. But you, that sort of um, scare happens a lot when you're caring from a distance. Uh, she also set fire to the microwave. You should put a potato in uh, for an hour because on high, because that's how long you cook a baked potato for. And the whole thing ended up in flames, and luckily the neighbours saw. Uh, another time I, I went, uh, and I used to go to the village and find out, uh, I, I found out that all the shopkeepers had been running up a tab for her because she'd go in. She was always mean, my mum. She went into the shop, she'd buy what she wanted and then say, oh, I've forgotten my purse. Well, you can't let this lovely little old lady, lady go without her bit of bacon, can you? So they'd all let her have it. And she never had any money. And so I used to go around paying everybody back and I, eventually I opened tabs for her in every shop. But in 2003, she came to live with me. Um, and uh, at first, it was wonderful. At first, I, it was so much nicer knowing that she, where she was for a start, um, and also knowing that uh, she was warm, that she was well-fed, that she was um, 
wearing the right things, all that sort of thing, kept herself clean because she hadn't been cleaning herself. It was interesting, when she uh, came to live with me at home, she'd be started to look very blank, um, and you'll all be familiar with the, the face of a blank person with dementia, um, just not really there. And when she came to live with me, she was engaging with people again, and she lost that blank view completely, and in fact, she never picked it up again. Um, so right until her death at the age of 89, uh, she didn't look blank again. Um, she came to live with me. There were some good times and there were some bad times. I mean, I remember one particularly heartwarming moment. My brother came in. She had no idea who he was. He, she didn't recognise him. But she threw her arms around his neck and said, I don't know who he is, but I know I love him. Uh, so there are all sorts of very heartwarming, very real, very moving moments. Um, but, you know, I can't kid you, it wasn't all good. I remember one time um, I was kneeling by her bed putting her socks on. Um, she hadn't been wearing tights for quite some while because she kept losing. I mean, she, at one point she was putting on her tights perfectly normally and the second moment she was just unable to do it. So she'd been wearing socks, and I was putting her socks on for her. And I looked up just in time to see her maliciously kick me in the face. And I was just so, so angry. Um, I just had to get myself out of the room and close the door because I was going to hit her. Um, you know, there I was putting everything on hold, my whole life on hold, putting... Um, in order to look after her, and she could kick me in the face like that. And it was sometimes awful. We had a, a disastrous um, respite care where um, I hadn't realised... I, I had rung the council and asked for a carer's assessment, and I'd been told it wouldn't be worth having because they couldn't afford anything. So I said, OK, in that case, I'm not going to bother, with the result that three years later, I still didn't realise I was entitled to, to six weeks a year respite. Anyway, I was told this, but by then I was on my knees. And she went into respite care for a week, and I checked out the home, thought it was OK, and so on, put her in there. And they told me um, not to call in, to go away and enjoy myself, which I did. And then I was looking forward to her coming home, and I saw the bus drive up and she was looking out of the window and she had her, both her hands on the window and she looked like something out of Belson. She looked so utterly, utterly miserable. And she saw me and she just burst into floods of tears uh, and she cried for about three hours and she kept saying, I'm a wicked person, I'm a wicked person, I want to die, I want to die. And I don't know what happened in the home. Um, she was filthy instantly, her fingernails were full of faeces, her, her tight, everything was filthy, she'd lost her bra, she didn't have her teeth. Um, when I complained to the home, um, they told me that she, I had looked after her too well at home, and it was my fault, in effect, because the home couldn't provide the same standard of care. They told me that she'd chosen not to wear her bra and chosen not to wear her teeth, um, and that she must have got filthy in the drive from the home to my home, uh, which is all of five minutes. Um, when you're a carer, trying to make a complaint is very, very difficult because you simply haven't got the time. Uh, it's, it's just... And they make it as difficult as they possibly can. Um, so that was... And, and for the next five weeks, Mum was really, really in a... Um, 
and she cried at the drop of her hat. Uh, she was frightened of the bathroom. She was, wouldn't go to bed unless I'd looked under the bed and looked in all the wardrobes. Um, it was really, really distressing. Um, and I hit a brick wall in the end. I had been, uh, I was still working full time throughout all of this. Um, and I had, at one point I was given direct payments, which you probably know they're now called individual payments, I understand. Um, but there's to buy in care. And so I had six carers. Um, so as well as being a carer, as well as having a full time job and being a carer for my mum, um, I was employing six carers. I had to do their tax, their national insurance, their holiday pay. One of them was trying to get pregnant, and my God, I was, I was urging her on um, without realising that I would have to pay maternity pay and all this sort of thing. I, I, <laughs> thank God she didn't get pregnant until afterwards. <laughs> and then she got pregnant, and there's a lovely baby girl to, to uh, show for it. Um, but I, I was just, I remember one night, I was, uh, about four o'clock in the morning, I was staring at the Inland Revenues website and I was just, there were tears pouring down my cheeks and I was just thinking, you know, well, uh, I just, I don't understand this, I'm computer literate, I've got three degrees, I, I know about money, I don't understand a word of this. How do other people manage when they haven't got those uh, advantages? Um, it, it was just awful and finally I had to do, every week I had to do a rota for six carers, um, all of whom were part-time, all of whose partners were part-time and all of it had to fit into my schedule which is completely up the creek most of the time, it's different every day. Um, and I went this week to Carol, one of the carers, and I said would you get mum up for the next um, three mornings or something. And Carol said, actually, Marianne, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Um, I don't want to get your mum up anymore. She, she really, she hates getting up early. And she really did hate getting up early. But I looked at Carol and I could see my, the rosa that I'd just spent two hours on just disappearing. Um, and I burst into tears. And I just cried and cried and cried. And I was thinking, well, what do I do now? I can't, I knew that the time, the moment had come. I just hit that I couldn't do any more. And I went to ring the doctor and I thought, well, I can't ring the doctor, he'll put mum in a home. Uh, and I went, well, I didn't know what to do. I rang my uncle, uh, who lived three hours away, and he said he was coming straight up. Uh, another uncle came in, they, they called the doctor for me, the doctor gave me Valium. I do love Valium. <laughs> Um, and I, five minutes later, I was eating a huge pizza and feeling a lot better. Um, but my caring days had come to an end. Um, I knew I just couldn't do it anymore. And for the last six months of her life, Mum went into the Headington Care Home, um, which was completely brilliant. Actually, it was a wonderful thing because she found a new lease of life. Um, she had been sitting at home being the sole object of the attention of me or of one of the carers. And here she was in this lovely, big, airy, open home. And she could walk around at will. She could go to bed if she wanted to, not if she didn't want to. It worked very well. So if you want a reason to go into old age psychiatry um, and indeed the care of people with dementia, I would say absolutely go for it. Um, because you really are helping to honour 
the lives of people whose lives should be honoured, just as yours should be honoured. Um, Mum's original consultant uh, helped to make uh, the decision... Sorry, let me just... Um, her original consultant helped to make the decision that she should come and live with me. I spent many hours on the phone with this woman uh, asking what was likely to happen with Alzheimer's. I didn't know anything about Alzheimer's at the start. Uh, and I, I was so grateful to that woman for helping me make that decision. It was the best decision I ever made. I don't regret for one minute Mum's coming to live with me. Um, Mum's later consultant, a man that probably some of you know, I know Charlotte knows, um, was responsible when I took Mum uh, to see him. He rang my GP and said, actually, she brought her mother in thinking there was something wrong, but there is something wrong, but it's not with her mother, it's with her. She's coming to the end of her tether. Um, she really needs some help. And my doctor was able to help me. And again, that wouldn't have happened had it not been for the sensitivity and the care of, of one of your community. Um, I think you're going into an honourable part of an honourable profession. Um, and caring for dementia is, some, is a very, very difficult task, but it, I, it, I hope I've conveyed to you that it's also incredibly rewarding. Um, whilst Mum was with me, I wrote a blog for Saga magazine online, and when Mum died, I made it into a book. This is the book, and I've brought a few copies there. I'm very happy to, to sell them to you, <laughs> if you want. Um, and what I want to say, what I want to leave you with is it wasn't you who helped me through the years of caring for my mum, but it was your profession. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for even considering going into this, because people like me couldn't do it without people like you. Thank you.